Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to, wait, what? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is waitwhatpodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I stumble into July with only minor injuries and minor comic book jibber-jabber to match. In this two-hour episode, we discuss The King in Black, the upcoming Marvel event that just got a trailer, Death Metal Number 2, the final issues of Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, the current Batman run by James Tynion and a handful of talented artists, the comics of Tom Taylor, Empire Number 0, Avengers by Al Ewing and Pepe Larraz, Secret Invasion, yes, good old Secret Invasion, by Brian Bendis and Lionel Yu, the American release of the latest volumes of Watakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku, two comics by Kyle Starks, and much, much more. As always, we welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan. Hello. <laughs> what was great is that was like the third time I went, Jeff Lester. And I don't think if you heard. Like, no, I think you were on mute or something because I did not hear a thing. That's really funny. Hi, technical difficulties. One odds, um, assuming this is recording, we should say that like this is not the first call we've had tonight. Because yes. Because it was recording. Uh, it, is, it is now, re- it now appears to be recording just fine. It's got the, all uh, the little uh, windows up. It so. has, a, has a famous last words thing. Yeah, doesn't it? Well, it's been a famous last words kind of day. Uh, why don't you tell the what nods? Um... How many holes you have in your feet? Well, fortunately, only just the one for now. But um, yeah, I will take a uh, I will take a photo of the hor- horrifying corroded carpet nail thing that I carpet screw that I stepped on outside while gardening that literally punctured the bottom of the shoe, my sock, and just a little bit into my foot. So. Um, I was sure that we were not going to be able to record tonight and that I would be sitting in some, you know, so I I have to, I have to interrupt for a second. Uh, I didn't check my email today because it's Saturday. Right. And so I only checked my email basically while preparing to do this call. Yeah. Uh, so I get the email from you saying, I don't think we're going to be able to do the call because I I stepped in a a screw. Mm hmm. And then the email saying, like, no, it's going to be fine. Right. But the email saying that you wouldn't be able to do the call, I have something to ask. <laughs> oh, boy. You said, uh-huh. and I quote, assuming they tell me to come in and get a tetanus shot, I may not get home until 8 a.m. or later. You meant p.m., right? I did mean p.m. Okay, because yes. I was yeah. like, is he saying it's going to take more than 12 hours to get a tetanus shot? <laughs> you know... This is the American healthcare system well, we're talking that's, about. That's so. why I'm asking. Yeah. I was wondering if someone had basically said, like, you know, you might have to go in, but it could take all night. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I'm sure if I showed up at the ICU or whatever, the thing that annoyed me was, so, uh, so I Beyond, called. like stepping on a rusty screw. Yes, then, yes, yeah. exactly. As I was there, I called my healthcare provider to talk to an advice nurse there's always the pre-screener who's like, what appears to be the problem today, Mr. Lester? Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's terrible. Okay, well, well, put you right through to someone. I am going to let you know our, our wait is wait time is a little longer than usual. It's going to be about 30 minutes. And I'm like... Look, there's never any time where it's not. Right, wrong. exactly. So I'm like, fuck, you know. So I wrote that to you while waiting. And then the thing that's crazy is I get the advice nurse... We run through all this stuff and they're like, okay, well, let's set up an appointment for you. 
and for tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, I, uh, uh, we can wait till tomorrow. tomorrow? (laughs) Is that okay? Oh yeah, sure. That won't be a problem. So, um, uh, let's see. Oh, it's really hard to find it. And, mm, uh, um, oh, how's 4.30 p.m.? I'm like, sure, that's great. Okay, great. Well, so that's going to be a video visit. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. A video? You can't give me a tetanus booster shot by a video visit. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. This is a this is the doctor, and the doctor's going to talk to you and, you know, determine what needs to be done. And I'm like... I stepped on a rusty nail. I it's been ten years since my last tetanus shot. It's a yeah, no I think brainer. I can tell you what needs to be done. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, but the doctor needs to schedule that. I can't schedule that. I'm like, You couldn't schedule me to go in and get a tetanus shot if I needed one? He's like, No, no. Um so you know, and it was just I was like I mean, first the whole song and dance was like, Well, of course you can't meet him in person. Because of COVID, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't care about the conference. It's, yeah, I want the shot. I want to not worry about dying like every free comic book told me between the years of 1972 and 1978, when they weren't showing me how to make a fucking kite. They were showing me dying of tetanus if I didn't get a fucking tetanus shot. Give me the goddamn shot, you know. So it was They've fun. Since learned that tetanus is not real, clearly, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's. But I mean, like, we both know the real reason this is happening is so they can charge it twice, right? Uh, in theory, the video conference call won't. Char- they won't charge me. I mean, I don't think it is. So they charge me. Twice. I'm. I'm giving you a very cynical look right now. Uh, okay. I'm like, really? Yeah. Because really? I, because I, I believe they're going to find some way to charge you separately for the cons- consultation and and the shot. We'll see. Yeah, I that... might be. A little bit too cynical about the American health system, but um, yeah, I yeah. mean, we'll I, see. Let's put it this way, Graham. Uh, you, it makes sense because, of course, you're a freelancer. I uh, have my insurance through work, which means that work pays thousands yeah, of dollars yeah. a month for look, me. Look, and, look at you being being all like you know proper health care. No, it's not. It's no, a no, farce, no, but that's here. because of America. But I do know because of other weirdnesses that have happened to me that I have had video calls. Um, in fact, this guy was like, okay, so let's, let's walk you through this video conference thing. I'm like, it's fine. I know how to do it. It's like, okay, so I'm going to send a thing to your app. I'm like, it's fine. I know how to do it because I had had a video conference with a doctor before and did, and they did not get billed. He, he put in a talk. We set up a prescription for me, all that. So, Admittedly, I feel like me going on and on and on saying no, no, no means that you're right and I will get billed. I promise to lie uh, if that does end up being the case. (laughs) And you'll never know. I will never tell you. I will never tell you that you were right, Graham. I I feel like I come close enough. I think that's only reasonable. Why? Why would you tell me? What exactly. I like is like the alternative that like you do get bills, and the next time we do a podcast, you're like, I, before we go any further, I just want to say, I did get billed. Yes, and I will ultimately have completely forgotten about it, and be like, billed for what? <laughs> but, why? <laughs> that, that, that's the part where the real sting of truth sets in, Graham. I have to say, where I'm like. I'm shocked by some of the stuff that you've told me over the years that I bring back that, up and you're I like, just utterly forget. yes, you're just like, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I mean, honestly, the amount I have very of bad memory. That's the thing you need to know. You know, do you really? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. See, I I personally think that part of it is they talk about how bad people's memories have gotten from just essentially reading the internet. You write a tremendous amount of content. You're you just you're processing just a ton of stuff. It sort of makes sense that like you know, like me, it's like one of those corroded sinks where there's very little water going down the drain. Stuff sticks to the side pretty easily. You're just like this high-pressure hose. Like, there's no chance for any cruft. Admittedly, that cruft is stories that you've told me that happened to you that I then mirror back to you that you'd completely forgotten about, which is in some ways alarming but on the other hand you you certainly know what happened in comics this week and i do not what a segue uh, do i do i know what's happened in comics i've had a very odd week uh mm-hmm. in terms of workload and knowing what's happened in comics this week mm-hmm. because i know what happens in comics in next week right and that's been what a lot of this week has been about mm-hmm. um you will remember because you and i talked on wednesday right that i was talking about like the big story i was about to write mm-hmm Yes, do you remember? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spent, I, I spent Thursday writing it. Right. And then I spent Thursday afternoon going through multiple edits mm-hmm. for it because it's a story that, like, has to be right. Right. Right? It's a story that, like, it could be bad if I get it wrong, so it's a story that has to be right. Yeah. So I go through multiple edits. Uh, everyone will notice that no story of, of this nature has appeared yet. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. It's now gone through the legal team twice. That's right. Uh, and will again, as yeah. you point out. But that has been a really weird thing about this week. Yes. <laughs> that, like, so much of my time and attention yes. has been about that thing, which has not happened yet. Now, I do want to say that among uh, some minor so let's, criticisms let's that, that Sorry, yeah. people have said is a little bit, like, they don't like, uh, understandably... Yeah, 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 we don't like us talking about things that people don't know about. Yes, exactly. Yes, and, and my intention is not to do that as much as say, like, you just said, you know, you know what's happened in comics this week, and I kind of don't. Right. Well... I've, I've, I've been doing the weird thing where, like, I'm writing ahead. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm, like, reading ahead. So, for example, one of the things I read this week was Lisa Hannibal's I Want You, which isn't out for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But, like, I got mailed a copy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's this weird thing where it's like, or like, I read Death Metal 2, which oh, again, right. comes Tuesday. out till next week, yes. Yeah, you know, and so there's things like that where it's like, I, I, I'm out of sync, I'm out of sync with the world. Right. So like, what has happened this week? Uh, like, Marvel and it's another event. Another event? Really? Yeah, King, King in Black, Jeff. Uh, that's the third event for 2020. Oh, but, yeah, 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 right, right. That got mentioned in... Um... Because I read Incoming on, on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, yes, based on yes. Some of King of Black is the Venom. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Like the, new, the next Venom crossover. Yeah. Because, uh, Absolute Carnage seemingly did so well that they were like, fuck it, let's just do another one. Sure. King, King in Black. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's, first of all, it's called King in Black. Secondly, it made me look up Null. Because, you know, suffice to say, I'm not really paying a lot of attention to Venom. Right. Because I don't didn't like mark miller the first time around yeah <laughs> uh, but so i looked i looked up null and i discovered that null is like you know a generic bad guy but he created all necro the black sword sorry all black the necro sword i got that mixed up all black the necro sword jeff 
one of his claim to fame is he created a sword called All Black the Necro Sword. And does anything sound like the worst D&D game in the world than the name All Black the Necro Sword? I have to say, it's I, I'm like, ah, it's, it's a shame because everything about it is... It's such a 90s album, you know, like... or All or, Black the Necro Sword. All Black the Necro Sword. Yeah. I I uh I think I I kind of I kind of like the 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 symbolism. You're like of it. you're like it's it's there like yeah. they're so they did a, a Donny Cates and Ryan segment did like a launch video and it's 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 bad but at the same time like it's you know it's COVID times everyone's doing Zoom calls like we're now almost used to bad you know people in front of their laptop with a microphone mm-hmm. like that's norm now. Um. But at one point, Donny Cates describes it as like a metal story. And of I was course. like, I honestly can't tell if that's a dig at, at death metal mm-hmm. or if that's literally just like, because that's what people think is a good description now. Right. You know, because it, cause it is. It like, is. Yeah. People are like, you know, oh, this story's so metal. And you're like, okay, what does that fucking mean? <laughs> um, so there's that. And then the, the reason it's such a bad video is they do is they're, they're selling. And it's it's like generic. It, there's nothing special. Mm-hmm. And then they have quote, like fake outtakes at the end. Oh God! And the fake no. When it's like, nope. <laughs> like, like that's the worst. This, right. this is like you. It's one of those things where like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna really subvert this though. We're gonna have someone say that you can't swear, and then we're gonna have have a little uh, thing on the screen that says five minutes later, and he's swearing a lot. It's gonna be really funny, but we'll bleep out the swearing and then stick a little null head over his mouth. Oh boy. And that's exactly what they do. And it's just, it's painfully unfunny and painfully fake. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. that weird thing? Yeah. Oh, this is terrible. Like, yeah. You're trying to be edgy by doing the worst dad jokes of, uh, imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty awful. Hey, yeah. speaking <laughs> of dad jokes, you're an REM fan. Is it, what's the song? Is it green? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, that was the greatest burn ever. <laughs> Sadly, there was a there was a there was a method to my meanness. Uh, what's that song? Green grow the rushes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from shit, really early on. Really yeah. early on, right? So that's and that's what I think of. Uh, green grow, King black, all black, the necro sword. You know, like if <laughs> if the sibilance totally fits, you could totally do it, a weird owl parody. Fables of the Reconstruction. Looked, yeah, I've just looked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. That's kind uh, of uh, yeah. Uh, all black the necro sword. All black the necro sword. All black the necro sword. Um, yeah. Well, Graham, you know it's a shame. I I I was uh, uh, the the I read incoming, and what was interesting is uh, listeners. What I can tell you, and I think is is uh, so you can hear about the all kinds of fascinating stuff that you don't get to listen to. Graham and I were talking and he was like, yeah, incoming. It's pretty. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I meant to read that because that's on Marvel Unlimited. So I read it. And uh, and what I thought was great was that and by quote unquote great is, you know, this is we we generally stand Al Ewing on this podcast, as you know. Right. And uh, but there's also times where some of the stuff doesn't quite work for us what i thought was interesting was having read spider-man full circle which al ewing was part of 
and then reading incoming and it very much felt like a prototype oh, for what they yeah. went on to do for, for that. Although I guess it came out before incoming, but what was fascinating to me was how much incoming felt like it was going to really honestly be a tightly knit jam story. And then like halfway through, they just gave up on the pretense and it was oh, it, 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 incoming, you know, the first, like basically all the way through when you get to, I guess, Captain Marvel, like yeah. feels like they're they're doing they're literally handing off. Yeah, right? exactly. Character X is here, then passes on the story to character Y, then passes on the story right. to character Z. Yeah, not and, a bad yeah, way say, to like, do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, but as you say, that kind of breaks down. Yeah, although it does like it has a through line. Well, like, I mean, the through line is is you know what does two faced mean? But right. it's it's where it goes with that is um. We'll see. That's it. It's fine up to a point, but all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I just need a little more space. And then the next page is space. No, a scrolly void, a voiding maker, you know? And it's, you know what I mean? Like there was that point where they were like, just, okay, just get it there anyway. Like they tried to set up a mystery. They tried to end with it and people were playing in good faith for the first 20 pages. And then people were like, yeah, I, I, I can't figure out how to connect this to, you know, Venom or whatever, you know? And so I was like, it was also fun, fun, sadly, in quotes, having read (laughs) Empire Zero Avengers and then seen the end of Incoming where someone is killed by a tree and you're like, what is that supposed to mean? And of course, the backwards just yeah, exactly is... yeah if, if you've done if you've done it in reverse you're like oh the katati uh, okay right exactly which I, as someone who read story. incoming when it came out mm-hmm. the killed by a tree part did seem out of nowhere yeah right i mean and honestly was... maybe go well here so it, at the time it made me kind of go is it a Groot story then because yeah. like um ewing's taking over garden galaxy right right and so I was wondering, like, is, is this a Groot thing? But then I forgot, of course, Marvel actually has at least three different species of, like, alien tree people. Right. Uh, there's another one between Groot and the Katadi? Yep, because there's the – well, they're not tree people technically, but there's the aliens that um, Dark Phoenix killed, destroys the planet of and the Clever Oh, thing. the broccoli dudes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always remember to think of them as broccoli people, but I guess they were sent in trees. That would be kind of awesome. Uh, like... As as far as I know, mm-hmm. uh, and I, honestly, I've been trying to rediscover where I read this because it's actually driving me mad. I'm fairly sure there was a solicit that was released and then edited after the fact that basically gave away that like it is the Katati and the Katati are the bad guys. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm fairly sure I saw a reference to the Kotati invasion of Earth in a solicit. Can I fucking find that solicit now? No. Right. So am I imagining it? Maybe. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, given how Avengers issue zero plays out, mm-hmm. like, it definitely feels like they're the bad guys. Oh, totally. You know, like, it, yeah. it's not subtle. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. No, very um, much so. So yeah, it, it feels, and also like it. Feel, it's really interesting how unsubtle it is, and also I can't work out if it's meant to be unsubtle or not. For what a better way of putting it, because you know, again, Avengers issue zero is written uh, like it's. I think it's technically Avengers colon Empire issue zero, right? Um, 
I, I like it's it's written by Al Ewing. It's it's and Al again, Ewing like, revisiting Al, a lot Al of was, heavy Englehart concepts. That's just it. And so well, I mean, the Kentucky basically are just Englehart. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. I was like, I'm totally going to be into this, and then I was like, oh, kind of left pretty cold. Uh, shoot, why? But yeah, no, and like you said, you don't know. I mean, and I think you and I talked about like in a way. Part of me was like, oh, it's almost like as I recall. The Avengers Defenders War, which Englehart wrote, also kind of very clearly sets up the idea that one team is being, as I recall, it's like Loki manipulating the Defenders into being all like, hey, uh, Thor's beating up on me or whatever it ends up yeah, being. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's, it's, so this very much feels like Avengers Defenders War Redux, right. which is not the worst idea for a crossover, I guess. Absolutely. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, sure. And especially with cosmic stakes, the thing that really bums me out is everything about it is such a in Jeff's wheelhouse kind of thing. But it doesn't work for you. Well, the first if the first issue had if that if that issue 0 by Ewing had really worked, I would have moved on to the next one, but but then it's like Empire Zero, the Fantastic Four. And for me, it's a combo of by Dan Slott. And I'm like, I'm not into Slot. I'm not into his Fantastic Four. And I'm kind of not into his Fantastic Four fighting the Avengers. Like, it just seems profoundly uninteresting. I don't know why. Like, the Fantastic Four, as much fondness as I had for them as a kid... And I suppose still can. I never think of them as like, oh, they're badasses. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're going to kick your ass. Like, apart from the thing in the Hulk fighting or maybe even, you know, Human Torch and Submariner being like a revisited thing. Like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like, if nothing else, the Avengers in its current incarnation is ridiculously super powered and there's it, there's like 37 of them and so i'm just like ugh. so that's my thing there's just a variety of ugh's and and knowing that they're going to try and tie it into like a you know the kree scroll war and there's a lot of stuff that really feels where one of the things that i enjoy so much about ewing's work in the immortal hulk at least one chunk of it is how strongly he's paid attention to and tried to resynthesize continuity right and mm -hmm. so i should really be into that here and yet whether it's because of me being burnt out by events or if you're, if you're burnt out by events just get ready for x of swords and oh yeah black. right 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 so right which i mean but see that's it part of me is sort of um so, I mean, I don't know. I could see myself maybe picking it up, like, picking it up in six months from now on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. But even then, I just don't know why. I was just, I'm just kind of like, uh, I'm not. Oh, you know, I have to tell you, it's funny that we mentioned this. So, I don't know if you re remember when I had a bunch of links listed for, like, there were all these free comics on, on Comixology that were yeah. being given yeah. away. yeah. I downloaded one of the many books that, that Marvel was giving away was Secret Invasion by by Bendis and you, 
Lenal U, I think. Lenal yeah. U. Yeah. The whole the whole thing. The whole the like whole a, a collected edition. Yeah, collected edition of okay. the of okay. the eight the eight issue limited series. Yeah. And and I had never read it. I think I'd read the first issue, but I'm not even really sure because when I read it, I'm like I remember a few of these points, but not a lot of them. Anyway, that was one where I'm like, oh, I. I hate this. So <laughs> that could also be a thing because, which is a shame because part of me is I have so much more faith. Even even Dan Slott, whose work I don't particularly care about, I do think that he generally plots his stories uh, in a way that Bendis, I don't think, does. You know, oh. And so reading Secret Invasion, maybe that's just the other side of it even though i have to admit i think i read it after empire avengers zero or whatever but i just i i think there's a i think there's just um marvel evented me out i just don't i just don't have interest in them you know what i mean like it really unless it's like the jarvis agatha harkness get it on special i don't think that i just don't it it just doesn't the the event stuff just strikes me. I can't see anything apart from the numbers about it, which I think is something that we talked about with with dark metal. That no matter how far it went, it still seemed to be in terms of its meta textual honesty. It seemed to be bumping up against a certain amount of well, you can only you can sort of only take this meta so far. You know, I'm I'm gonna say by the way that um, Death Metal Two, and I'm not spoiling plot here at all. Uh-huh. But Death Metal Two simultaneously made me feel better about the event <laughs> and underscored the limitations of mm-hmm. the story mm-hmm. significantly. Interesting. Significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had this this. Uh, I, I, I realize one of the things that upset me or, or bothered me so much about issue one mm-hmm. um, after the fact, which was the death of the Batman Who Laughs. Mm. Um, because it felt very narratively uh, unearned. Mm-hmm. And I say that as someone who thinks the Batman Who Laughs is honestly just boring. Right. Like it's nowhere near as interesting as, as Snyder at least seems to think he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the Batman Who Laughs had had a lot of for one of a better way of putting it, promotion in the story, in the larger story. Yeah. Well, he survived death metal. He is captured by Batman and kept hostage. Then he's released. He, you know, he has a mini series of his own. He then shows up in Batman Superman. He is, you know, he, he quote unquote infects the superheroes. Mm-hmm. He unseats Lex Luthor from, from the, his, his position of power. Right. And takes it on. And then he's just killed in the first issue of death metal. Is it in Death Metal uh, that he dies? It's not at the yeah. end of one of the events. No, it's, it's in the first issue of Death Metal. Oh, oh, right, right, with the right, the Invisible Cause, Chainsaw. Cause right, yeah. exactly. Sorry, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this thing where I was like, that. Not only does it feel like it's not playing fair, mm-hmm. like with everything that's that's happened, um, it also. Like, cause it did that, and then all of a sudden, everyone, like Scott Snyder and all, all the other creators, not actually, honestly, a lot of fans, are like, but wait till you see the Robin King. <laughs> and I had this moment of, like, 
that's all this fucking is now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no attempt to actually establish menace. There's no attempt to establish stakes. Mm-hmm. It's here's a name, and we'll be like, oh fuck, right? You know, it's the chair who talks. <laughs> chair who, like I've heard of the chair who talks. It's the fucking chair who talks. Is that is that a Doom Patrol character from Morrison's run? <laughs> it, it is. It is okay. now. <laughs> I swear, I honestly am not kidding. I'm like, I think I remember the chair who talks. Anyway. No, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it's literally just, like, it's, it's, there is no attempt to, to establish anything resembling, like, character or stakes. Yes. Instead, it's like, and, and it's something that, you know, people have talked about, Miller does it, Morrison does it as well. Mm-hmm. Where, especially Miller and Morrison in particular, cop this thing from Alan Moore, and, like, Moore did it appropriately in, like, for example, Captain Britain, right? Mm-hmm. Going way back when. Mm-hmm. Moore introduces the Fury, mm-hmm. and he, the Fury is basically introduced by people being like, "Oh shit, it's the Fury! Oh shit! Oh shit! This is really bad! It's the Fury! It's shit! Oh shit!" Right? right? Mm-hmm. And then you see the Fury, and the Fury is scary. Yeah, right. And so Morrison basically just yanks that whole thing. Right. So you read through Zen, and you read through like some of his earlier DC work, and you'll have moments where people are like, "Oh god, it's blank! It's it's blank! We're really fucked! It's blank! Oh no, it's blank!" Right. And for the most part, you then would see blank and something would happen and it would be bad. Right. And then you get to Miller, mm-hmm. who forgets that you then see them when they do something bad part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just not the, oh God, it's blank. Oh God, it's blank. We're fucked now. It's blank. Right. Right. And that's now turned into, you know, after, you know, 20 more years of this bullshit. <laughs> it's turned into it's the Batman who laughs, and you know he's planning something. He's planning something. He's planning something. He's dead, mm-hmm. but that's okay because we've got the Robin King, right? You know, well, it's like, well, why should I believe this guy's got like, especially when the Batman who laughs essentially dies like for a joke, for want of a better way of putting yes, it. Yes, right. Well, um, I think. It, 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 sorry, if, no, 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 no. I you, I think you've got a good point. Well, I did want to point out that this is actually uh, ties back into Secret Invasion to me. Because Bendis's crossovers events only just end with essentially the introduction of the next crossover event. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean that, that was that was a real problem for Marvel from from basically what the New Avengers all the way through, like mm-hmm. uh, Siege, I guess, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is yeah. a chunk of time, which is like six or seven years. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and and is like there is a lot of you know something something happens you think this is the big ending but it's not like pull back further it's the right like the Claire trick remember when, when uh, in whatever issue with Cockrum where Cyclops beats Eric the Red <laughs> and like wow. you have Eric the Red. No, this is a specific thing. And you have Eric the Red, like Cyclops standing over Eric the Red, and like, they're like, haha. And then the next shot is Stephen Lang's watching them on TV. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, that's old school. You're like issue 98 or something yeah, like that. But, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. Like, there's a thing like, yeah. they beat a villain, and then that shows someone watching them on TV. Watching them, and then the next shot is someone watching them on TV. Right. Watching them on TV. Yes. Um, like, that was Marvel Comics for about six years. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, very much so. And and so and so I feel like the the next stage of that is the like you said, the like, oh, here comes the next the next big bad is 
you, you know, the bigger, badder guy than the guy you just beat, which is in a way superhero comics 101. But but like you said, there's just a oh, it's a it's a it's a cool name. And yeah, I think. But also, importantly, like not only do the villains not get to do their big thing, mm-hmm. but if they do, the big thing will basically be unintelligible. Mm. Right? That you will not actually be able to really understand what it is, and also they'll be defeated in like the the most nonsensical way ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you look at the I, end of like metal, what actually fucking happens? If you look at the end of No Justice, what actually happens? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, the pro- sad part in that case, Graham, is I don't remember. You don't actually, remember. I really don't. I'm like, ah, Batman rides a dinosaur? Like, you know, like, I'm just, I'm like, I don't, metal I so checked out on that by the end of it, I'm like, I just remember they're having, like, a dinner party where they're all talking about, like, how bad things are going to be. And yes, that, here comes all of the tie That's very, yeah, like, they, they have the bit where... Uh, like the, the the main story's over, and then there's an yeah. epilogue where they're all like, they all have a dinner, and they're all like, "Well, we we fucked everything up, right? Because like I had visions, and the source wall's broken, and everything's going to be shit. So keep reading Justice League, and then over in Aquaman, this shit's going to happen. So keep reading that book, right? And then it's like, and then they have a fucking concert and a party, <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> and then like then, then um. Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman leave the party because Bruce is like, "Hey, look at these these uh, blueprints I've got for the Hall of Justice." Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's oof. anyway. I, no, I agree. The the other thing that, of course, is as someone who did, I appreciate in a way the speed with which the first issue of Death Metal moved, but. On the other hand, it's very much the idea of it's two or three years later in which the Batman who laughs and darkness has held sway over all. And, you know, you don't really see it. You know what I mean? Like, I can see what you're saying about about the Batman who laughs. And I'm like, right. In theory, he 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 had everyone beaten and under their thumb for like two or three years. But but that's but also like. The one of the problems with well, it's it's a problem. And it's not a problem. I was going to mm-hmm. say one of the problems with the lead up to like the meta story lead up to Death Metal mm-hmm. is the climactic event actually happens in Hell Arisen, which is a four issue series. That I'm not sure that many people read. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's where Lex Luthor and the man who, Batman Who Laughs have their showdown. Right. Okay. But it's also not a problem because Death Metal basically says all of like those. You know, seventy odd comics that we said were leading up to this—they mm-hmm. basically don't count mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we started everything over again. Right, right. Yeah. You know, which, which honestly, I think is a big failing of death metal. I uh, it only only insofar as like it—it's uh, much. It's very like um, uh, Hickman's Secret Wars, right? Right, right. Or Hickman's Secret about. Wars had mm-hmm. like years of Avengers, yeah, leading up to it. Yeah. And then Hickman's Secret Wars is something totally different. Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. 100% different where they're like, oh, we've, we've restarted continuity. Right. And I feel that, you know, as someone who didn't read all of those comics, if I had read all of the comics thinking the resolution's going to be here, I think I would have felt conned. Right. Because the resolution wasn't there. 
Right. Like no, they literally right. just they literally just went. Oh no! Like we started over, and that's pretty much what Death Metal's done as well. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, oh shit! Look, it's it's all it's a big deal now. Oh fuck! Things are really bad. Like the Justice League are fucked off. And no one knows where they are. Humanity has chosen selfishness, and uh, you know, Lex Luthor, who was the the was. The human sidekick to this cosmic being has been beaten by the Batman who laughs, who wants to destroy all of reality. Right. That should feel like a big deal. Mm-hmm. But instead, Death Man's like, well, you missed a chunk of story where we kind of rebooted everything. Mm-hmm. And also, all of the main DC books are ignoring this. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. which, which. Yeah, it's an uh, event that, that literally seems. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like it, like death metal is hermetically sealed. Right. Right. Where, I mean, although I think that it was among the stupidest and worst decisions they ever made, Marvel did end the continuity of all their books and then run Secret Wars derived. You know, they pulled the yeah. whole Age of Apocalypse with their yes. entire line, yes. essentially. Yeah. And, but, and but, again, a bad choice. So I can see yeah, why. Yeah, but at the same time. The opposite of that is what DC is doing now, right. which is yes. if you follow the continuity of like that meta story, yeah. Year of the Villain happens, and then mm-hmm. it goes into Justice League, and at the end of Justice League, the Justice League literally leave reality after humanity admits that it's selfish. Right. Okay? Yeah. And as it goes into Death Metal, the reality then essentially ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However... All the DC books that had Year of the Villain crossovers. Right, exactly. Are still chugging along. Yeah. Right. And are tied into right. that Including story. Yeah. Flash. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman, who are members of the Justice League. Right. Who disappeared. Yeah, you're right. Except right. not disappeared. Yeah. So in order to make it work, there was Year of the Villain, and then probably, you know, let's be generous. A year of their own solo titles in between that and the Justice League issues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes no sense. Right. Right. So, like, which is the better option? Is it to go the whole hog thing that Marvel did? Right. Or is it to ignore it like DC did? Well, the plus side for me, in a theory, would be if I was a big fan of any other DC book, yeah, which like I currently am yeah, not. I like, could keep I reading. Agree. Yeah. Right? I'm reading The Flash, but I'm not reading Justice League, exactly. and I don't care about Death Metal. At least I still got my Flash stories. Yeah. So, in a way, part I, of I me... get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which I appreciate. And, of course, there is, to me, there's a little bit of a feeling of, uh, you know, Death Metal seems very unlikely that it's going to end in this sort of new place. Um you know, it's it's not going to be like, well, okay, you, like you assume there's some sort of rebooty type thing that's going to happen. Yeah, Death, Death Metal has literally has to end with a reboot of some sort. Yeah, of some because sort. Because they've destroyed the universe. Right, right. Like you don't you don't get to go. Never mind. Right, and we're wrong. Like Final Crisis did that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, Final Crisis literally had we've destroyed the universe, <laughs> and then we just reset everything, and it's fine. Right. And honestly, I don't think it worked. And I think that's the reason you really can't do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because I think what they'll do is, well, we'll see. I feel like most, and in fact, one of the things that drove me nuts about Secret Wars was Secret Wars ends, 
Marvel finally has a place to do a much needed reboot. Everything's in place. And they're like, nope. I mean, we're going to come back and things are different, but, and it's like, what are you guys doing? It's the crazy thing. Well, no, I know. I mean, the, what was quote unquote different was kind of like stuff with doom or stuff with other shit that they handled that they eventually walked back anyway, because of course they were going to, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I I honestly, you know, for all the shit that we give the new 52, Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, 10 years old next year. Wow. Congratulations. We are very old. Um, but for all the shit that we give New 52, there is something to say about, like, rebooting. Mm-hmm. Like, do it well, please. Actually think about things. Right. But I think, you know, the alternative is Marvel, where you have something like Wade's, you know, the secret or the official history of the Marvel Universe or whatever it's called. Right. Which is an, an you know, an insane read. Yeah. Because it's like history was fine, and then just you know, just between you and me, there's like a ten year period where everything happens. Right. Well, I mean, one of the things that I do appreciate, which I think is a little bit different, and and I mean, you would know because you read more of it. But one of the things that I did appreciate about Al Ewing's Ultimates is because it happens after Secret War. Is he's more or less like. Yeah, the universe is rebooted. It's just nobody nobody knows it. Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. so it's like ISO seven is now ISO eight. Yes, and 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 which, which makes things. which makes a lot of sense and is is fun. Interestingly enough, that's what Bendis is doing in Superman of all places. Oh, really? And weirdly enough, in the, that's what the Lois Lane comic ended up being about. The last issue of Lois Lane came out this week, last week, like mm-hmm. since we last talked anyway, um, and. On the one hand, Greg Rucka should be congratulated, and this sounds like I'm being sarcastic, and I promise you I'm not. Greg Rucka should be congratulated on really beating Claremont at the idea of, you're going to give me a comic, and I'm going to write other characters Mm. into the comic just because they're my characters. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. by the end of the Lois Lane comic, Lois Lane, Jeff, the main characters are Lois, obviously. Right. Renee Montoya, the question. Of course. Sure. And Jessica Midnight, who was a supporting character from his Checkmate series. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, also Jessica Midnight, at some point between Checkmate and Lois Lane, has basically turned into the main character from his image comic, Black Magic. <laughs> that's that's not a joke. Wow. Um, and he, weirdly enough, kind of pulls it off mm-hmm. by... I mean, kind of jaw-dropping narrative conceit of saying that of explaining away the the, the complete like mess of, of DC continuity mm-hmm. by going people like there are there's an infinite number of realities and sometimes people will accidentally slip through to the wrong one, hmm. and so you thought like Montoya basically says. Uh, you know, one morning I woke up and I was a detective and I hadn't been a detective before. Hmm. And I'm the question, but there's also a, 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 a Vic Sage here. Mm-hmm. But I saw him die. Mm. And that's because I slipped through from a different reality. Hmm. You know, and, and so Jessica Minnett is like, I'm a witch, I guess, but I didn't used to be a witch. Hmm. And, that's, and, and that becomes like one of the central conceits of the entire series by the end of the series. Huh. It's it's a, a weirdly 
uh, it's a weirdly messy series because I re- when the last issue came out, I reread all twelve issues. Mm. Um, it's a weirdly messy series where mm-hmm. it starts and where it ends are miles from each other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. miles. But he does it in such a way that it doesn't read nearly as messily as it should. Mm. Like he almost makes it look smooth, hmm. almost. Um, which is which is kind of amazing. Like mm-hmm. I, it, it feels like an it feels like a feat, mm-hmm. you know. But but the the idea of of narrat- of, of of universes melting into each other, like Bendis is doing that in Superman, hmm. and in Young Justice, that's the whole explanation of Connor Kent. And it, it's an accepted fact in these comics. Hmm. There is a multiverse, and people are basically slipping between them. Hmm. Which is again a really interesting narrative conceit to me and a much easier explanation for continuity fuck-ups. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, that's it. You're rebooting everything. Right. You know, by just being like, sometimes this shit happens and people fall between realities. Sure. You know? Um, Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I I also read the last issue of Jimmy Olsen, which is out this week coming up. I was going to ask, actually. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that much more than I thought I was going to. I've got to admit. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I really like the end. Mm-hmm. Again, I can't say anything about it. It's not out yet. Right. But I think Fraction lands it. That's good. I have to say... I really think he does. I didn't like 10, and then I thought 11 was terrific and gave me a lot of hope that he was going to land it, actually. I mean, you sure. know, your mileage may vary. Right. But I I was really pleasantly surprised with how it ended. Hmm. And also... also where it leaves the characters. Because mm. hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily... I, I think what Fraction's done in Jimmy Olsen has been great, honestly. Mm-hmm. In terms of like how he's basically not even redefined Jimmy Olsen, but sort of clarified Jimmy Olsen. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like he leaves the space for Jimmy Olsen to be multiple things mm-hmm. in a way that feels fun and uh, additive. Mm. And and makes the character seem exciting and fully aware of the character's past in a way that other efforts have not done. Hmm. You know, I think he makes Jimmy Olsen seem like a character where basically weird shit happens to him, mm-hmm. and yet he can operate in a wider universe because weird shit happens to him, and that's understood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone around him is like, yeah, like Jimmy's like a weirdness magnet. Right. And and that's Jimmy. And like, it's just an accepted conceit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that doing that and doing it with the... Uh, one of the things that I think I do have a problem with with Fraction writing a lot is sometimes I think Fraction... Mm, I'm not sure if he, he reveals contempt for either ideas or his readers but sometimes he makes it feel he makes it seem like you know he's better than what he's writing mm-hmm. or like he, he's aware that it's dumb mm-hmm. and one of the things that i really liked about jimmy olsen is that's not there it feels like it feels like he's dialed into like the tone to be like this shit's weird and this shit's stupid but it's fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm. And I really, I really like that, and I'd like to see more things like that from Fraction. Honestly, I'd like to see a lot more Jimmy Olsen from Fraction. Sure. Like the end of the series, I was like, you know, if you, you know, you want to come back and do one of these every couple of years, great. Right. Absolutely. Well, and let's just say, I also want to say that I think that um, 
uh, Lieber is like a really good grounding force in that sense for yeah. Well, I mean, Lieber's stuff all through the book has been extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and he he knows how to. I mean, one of Lieber's uh, consistent talents is he can simultaneously play something that's really broad and really subtle. Right. Right. Or, you know, right. He manages mm-hmm. to do both at once. Yes. Or he manages to find which one is right in that scene. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, that was in Superior Foes. That's, that's been in, in lots of, you know, lots of other projects he's done. Mm-hmm. But it really helps with Fraction, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too, because I think what I was going to say is, is that, uh, yeah, that, you you say broad and subtle and whereas I think kind of um uh yeah, like playing within and without the boundaries. You know what I mean? Like there there is something where the way that he draws it it, it helps the reality of the strip never breaks. Um, that, yeah. that what right. he catches manages to catch the tone. So it never gets so um, it never gets so out there that you that that the that the stakes aren't there. I guess you know what I mean. So it's very he 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 is a really good counterpart. I think um, for fraction in the sense of it's, it's it's not like he's a straight guy, but like you said, he know he knows when to play something well, straight. No, so, no, but also like you know you talk about not breaking the. The, the like fraction enjoys uh the i don't know devil's advocacy mm-hmm. of like being like i broke this thing right yes do you know what i mean right and 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 lieber doesn't yes Le- lieber will pull it back enough to make sure that the thing isn't broken right exactly and that and that's kind of what i mean is is there's a little bit of the <sighs> yeah yeah exactly um, it's, it's one of those things where I think, and I could be wrong, like I'm speaking off the cuff, but it may well be apart from the publication schedule, part of where I dropped off of sex criminals is precisely the way in which fraction broke the narrative and, and Zdarsky, uh, was very much an accomplice in that. And then they were kind of like, okay, let's get the narrative going again. And it's kind of like. No, but, but yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't, right? Like, I think this was my big complaint about uh, Baby Driver, which I saw in the theaters, and we were like, "Oh boy, this is going to be great!" And it opens up with just this really sort of virtuoso opening car chase sequence, and then it's followed by another virtuoso title sequence. And by the time that you're done with both of those two, you're kind of like, okay, this movie is very firmly in the realm of the, of the unreal. Like it doesn't, it's, it's absolutely a delightful absurdist comedy. And then he's like, okay, and now I'm going to turn it into a serious crime film. And, you know, you know, serious with hints of, of over the topness, you know, baroqueness or whatever, but it's, but you're like, really? That's what you want to do with this? Like, you could go anywhere with this. But but it's also very hard to to introduce dramatic stakes when you just spent 20 straight minutes 
showing how the movie is absolutely 100% at the mercy and the, the whims of the filmmaker, you know? Yeah. And to yeah. make you root for that and then to take it away from you. It's kind of like, you know, I walked out of Baby Driver in a bad mood, you know? <laughs> uh, which I don't think was what was intended. So anyway, yeah. yeah, so I'm really glad to hear about Jimmy Olsen. It is one of the few titles that I, I feel like I am currently buying as they drop and and uh i think i'll be i'll be sad generally when it when it goes away i don't yeah know. like i said like it, it, it finished and i was like yeah i, I would read more of these mm -hmm. you know but i was supposed to like lose lane which again like i reread all 12 vision and i was like yeah okay i like i, I think this is good like it also feels done mm -hmm. like there's something quietly exhausting about it Right. Quietly exhausting. I hope that ends up being the pull quote for the trade because that would be excellent. <laughs> so and what do you and I always I can't I can't help burning myself on this particular stove. How is Bendis's Superman going? You're going to say that you like it. I'm going to pick it up and be yeah. enraged six I, months, I, 12 I months like from now it. and I you'll shrug it off. Read it. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. like it and don't read it, Jeff. OK. All right. Um, like it's doing a lot of things that I want to see in Superman. Mm -hmm. For example, the most recent issue is, and I should say, like I'm differentiating between Superman and action here because action has turned into the, um, you know, people are blurring between realities and and kind of, and, and sort of a bigger plot that I'm not really that into. Mm -hmm. Um, but Superman, the latest issue, of Superman is Superman is basically like. He goes to see Doctor Fate, and he's basically like, um, "Okay, why did I actually reveal my my secret identity to everyone?" Mm. Doctor Fate's more or less like, "Well, if you think about it, you had a kid, and then your kid got kidnapped by your your father, who was suddenly wasn't dead anymore, and then you find out that your father is basically a supervillain, mm -hmm. and then he does die, and your kid is back, but then your kid uh, is grown up, and then your kid fucks off to." to uh the future mm. like you revealed your secret identity because it was the one thing you could control and you wanted to show that to the world hmm. and he's like oh shit yes hmm. that's that's a thing and i like that level of like superman being like what what am i doing right and so like it's a, like there's a reason for this i i appreciate that mm. it is very much not for everyone <laughs> yeah to put it mildly mm -hmm. um but it's something that I want in my Superman. I, I, it continues to be a very human Superman and honestly a very kind Superman. Yes. Which is like, you know, give me those two things and I, I'm going to be much more on board than if it's, you know. A Superman story or a plot <laughs> or. No, but also Superman walking across America, right? Well, no, of course. No, 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 no. Absolutely. As you know, part of what drove me nuts was how much. I wanted the Superman that I was getting in the comic. I just didn't want the rest of the comic. So, the rest of the comic, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so I don't like. I don't think it's for you, mm -hmm. and I'm not being like uh, overly cutesy or anything with that. No, like, no I no, don't no. think mm -hmm. you'd enjoy it. Right. I, I honestly think you would be like, this. This is still not giving me what I want. Right. Right. Well, uh, I appreciate but it's that. Giving, yeah. It's but it's giving me what I want. You know what else I read in the last. Like two weeks since we talked, or three weeks again since we talked. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Um, all of James Tynan's Batman. Oh, interesting. Uh, are you like? Did you drop off? I did. I did. 
when did you drop off? Literally with Tom King's last issue. Like I oh. think there's that preview. So you've not at the read any. You've not read any of the. the yeah. Time. Yeah, the little four-page preview at the end of the last King issue, and that is literally it. Yeah. Um, because I like it. Question mark. Mm-hmm. But it also almost feels like fan fiction. Hmm. It feels weirdly safe, even with like the big swings that are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are big swings that are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like, are you going to read this, or can I spoil it? Yeah, you can spoil it, and I probably will read it. So, yeah, I wouldn't worry. Uh, about the it. the big so the 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 big plot of the first arc is. Mm-hmm. There was this like super villain broker, for want of a better way of putting it, mm-hmm. that in Batman's early days basically went to the Penguin, the Riddler, the Joker, and Catwoman, and said, "Like I'm going to help you plan out your perfect score." And and he does; he helps them plan it out. But then he basically is like, "Okay, but I'm not working with the Joker." And the Joker kills him. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they all basically help dispose of the body and never speak of this again. And so dude comes back from the dead, basically. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, oh shit, oh fuck, blah, 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 blah. And there's a whole subplot of, and just to fuck up Batman, he's brought all the deadliest assassins in to kill Bruce Wayne. Like, you know, various other things. Batman's still dealing with the death of Alfred, and he's got Lucius Fox to replace Alfred, which I thought was actually a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the big reveal at the end is the guy didn't come back from the dead at all. Hmm. It's been the Joker all along hmm. to to fuck Batman up in preparation for like Joker War, right? Um, but in the process of this, he's really fucked Batman up because mm-hmm. he's not only basically. Uh, successfully scared Lucius off, so Bruce has no Alfred figure. Mm-hmm. He's revealed that um, he's broken trust between Batman and Catwoman mm-hmm. because Catwoman has to say at one point, like, "Oh, there was this thing that happened. <laughs> like, this guy came and helped us to, like plan our greatest heist, and then he died, and we all hid the body and didn't tell you about it." Um, but she thinks that this character is going to steal Bruce Wayne's fortune. Mm-hmm. And so she makes a plan that she's going to steal it first. Mm-hmm. And she does. Mm-hmm. But she gets hoodwinked. Mm-hmm. And she she transferred it into her account. And she hasn't. She's transferred it into the Joker's account. Mm-hmm. So by the end, Bruce Wayne is penniless. Right. And the Joker has all his money. And the Joker also has Wayne Manor. Mm-hmm. Uh... Like, and, like the setup for, for, for Joker War is literally like the Joker has everything. Batman has nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, on the face of it, big swings, right? Sure. But what about that? Doesn't sound like fan fiction. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Joker, the Joker has everything, including Wayne Manor. He's got all Bruce Wayne's fortune. Mm-hmm. You know, Batman's a man on his own. He can't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, there's. It feels very much like, like it feels fine. It feels functional. It feels exciting in the moment that you're reading it. Sure. But, like, I feel like, honestly, the second you think about it, you're like, oh, but, like, this is this, you know, we know how this ends. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, there, I think there's 
I think there's that for the most part. So I guess uh, my question is, is does the Joker know that Bruce Wayne is Batman or is it just that Bruce Wayne as the richest dude is the mark that the Joker wants or I, I don't quote me on this right. because I've also read lots of other comics, but um, I want to say that he does in fact know that Bruce Wayne's Batman. Okay. Okay. Um, and also I, for some in fucking explicable reason, um, I've also read like issues of Nightwing, which are leading up to Joker war. Huh? Okay. Again, I, I mean, I don't know why. I wish I could say why. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of comics I need to read for work that for some reason I haven't, but I have read issues of Nightwing that lead up to Joker War. Hmm. Bad decisions were made, Jeff. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, these, again, they're doing all these things that seem to be, um, you know, playing up the Joker, like this is, this is not fucking around. Mm-hmm. Right. This right. this is you know definitely the final showdown. Got to be the final showdown. Right. Because like everyone's fucking meaning it this time, and I can't shake the feeling that it all feels like fanfic. Right. Sure. Sure. You know, and, and honestly, I don't want to say I'm bored of the Joker because I think everyone got bored of the Joker a long time ago. <laughs> but the idea of like. It's another big fucking Joker plot. It's just like, Jesus fucking Christ, really? Yeah. It sounds like us fucking three Jokers is coming out in like a month. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Is it in a month? Uh, Jesus, yeah. I think so. I think three Jokers is August. I'll take your word for it, man. I'm like, I would not put any bets on any Jeff Johns comic these Uh, days. It is coming out August the 26th, apparently. Okay, there we go. Ah. That's it. That's it. That that date is courtesy of Previews World, and as we all know, that won't actually be happening. <laughs> so that is so true. Yeah. Who who the fuck knows? Yeah, I think it is. I because I definitely September solicits had issue two in there. Okay. Um. I so where am I getting ahead of myself? I I see your point. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, Tyrion by being in pretty tight with Scott Snyder. And I mean, honestly, I feel like all of DC has a certain je ne sais reboot in the air anyway. Cause I do think that Superman outing himself, the idea that the Joker knows that Batman's, you know, it all has a lot of like, Oh, Spider-Man outed his identity at the end of civil war. And you know, now he has to live with those consequences until the really awkward reboot comes in, right? Sure. You know? I, so... I, and honestly, like I said, there's the the narrative setup of death metal would suggest that you have to have some kind of, if not reboot, right? Then you know, reset mm-hmm. in there, right? If only because it literally destroyed the universe right like it, it literally there's a line in in either issue one or issue two of death metal that like there's only a handful of earths left in the multiverse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so that's that you that's not long-term sustainable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for one of a better way of putting it Yes, no, right. I don't think so and doesn't seem to be the case of what they're into, although maybe they would. But as you pointed out, like, there's a, 
humanity voted to embrace evil and Justice League disappeared and, you know, everyone's still sort of trotting away. And so I, I think there is a little bit of a, uh, at that point you start, people start doing the swing for the fences. And that's the part that, of course, to me, does, like you said, does feel like fanfic of like, oh, these are the big things with the big consequences uh, in a weird way that, you know, in your brain, you're kind of like, yeah, but that's not going to stick. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 not really real. Right. What, what's funny is another of the things I've read this week are and these are two things, but the count is one in my brain for reasons that will immediately become obvious is that I've been rereading Justice and I've been reading Deceased. Hmm. You know, Tom Taylor's two yes. mm-hmm. print right. end of the DC Universe stories. Yes. Um, and both are obviously alternate universes. Yeah. And both are obviously set up to be disasters, right? Yeah. Injustice right. is set up to lead up to the video game where it's superheroes versus superheroes. Uh, deceased is, by its very nature, everyone fucking becomes a zombie. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Both of those ring more true to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Than something like James Tynan's Batman. Right. Like, it feels like the the actions of the characters make sense more, are more believable. Well, because I do, I think uh, there's there's two there's two ways to look at it, both of which I think are viable. The first way is is that Tom Taylor is a tremendous talent that that for some reason people slept on. Uh, much more than they did, than they should have. And he should be writing major titles, you know, and should have been doing it sooner. Uh, The flip side is one could say that when you are set in a uh, alternate universe, you kind of have to work harder, at least if you're smart and talented, which Taylor is, to make it feel as if it's really happening so it's not flyweight. You know what I mean? So you can't, in other words, you can't take the characters for granted in yeah. a way. I, and, that, that's interesting because I thought you were going to say a third one, which is when you know it's a quote-unquote alternate universe, mm-hmm. you give it leeway that you wouldn't otherwise. Mm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't believe that the Joker is going to keep Bruce Wayne's fortune. Right. Right, right, and part of that is, I know that like if this is the the mainstream DC universe, Batman doesn't get to be poor for very long. Right, right. Well, but if it's like alternate universe, sure, then sure, you right. know, like Superman's heel turn in Injustice mm-hmm. would never make sense. Right, in the mainstream DC universe, mm-hmm. like I would read all of it and be like, okay but it's going to reveal it's not the real Superman or he's being brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And in Justice, I'm like, you know, that's I can see where they're drawing from in the quote-unquote real Superman to get here. Right. Right. Well, and this is this is kind of the... This goes back to the appeal of the Silver Age stories, you know, is, is that Silver Age DC would tell their quote-unquote imaginary stories, which were kind of brain-benders, but they're kind of like, yeah, we're going to tell a story out of continuity and tell you up front. And then you were kind of like, be like, oh, shit, then anything can happen. And yes, anything did. And it's something that I think is 
uh, is a very good tool to have in, in that toolbox. Cause mm -hmm. I do think, cause for me, part of me is like, sure, Batman will get his riches back, but I do think that there's something to be said for there could be two or three or four years maybe where he doesn't have it, you know, just sort of the same way. Cause in a way, like for example, Marvel did got pretty good traction out of say in some of their, I'm killing Captain America and then oh, Captain yeah, America yeah. stays dead for much longer than exactly. you Exactly. You know, Marvel got pretty good traction out of um, everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Right. Absolutely. You know, like they did. They got a few years out of that. Yeah. 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 It went on much longer than you would think. And you're kind of like, oh, shit. And and so in a way, there's part of me that I do. I see where Tyrion, I think, is going with it, which is a very clever way of what what makes there's always a little bit of the Batman is Batman because he's rich. You know, and there's a lot to be said for the no, I'm stripping bat you you can take all the money away from Batman and you you can have Batman hiding out in the sewers and he's still gonna be you know, he's still gonna be Batman. He's still gonna yeah. be a badass who gets things done. And and there is a little bit of the 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 sort of frisian that you get, you know, just as every it seems like every couple of years there's the whole like, oh, the police are hunting Batman again, you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, what's funny is, you know, you said, you know, everyone thinks that Batman's Batman because he's rich. And honestly, that's I, I, I don't agree, or at least that's not my idea of Batman. Sure. But the thing that is exhausting to me about the current setup, like as it goes into Joker War is I am done with. Batman said everything stripped away from him, but he's fighting back. Yes, stories. right. I'm fucking over that. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel it's like we've like, had five runs we, in a row with it. Yeah, we yeah. literally just had Tom King do that. Yeah, like absolutely. literally a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Had Tom King do that. Yeah. You know, it's like fuck. How many times can this guy have everything stripped away from him? Well, and I think that was sort of why I really did jump off of Batman. I mean, apart from. As you know, I've been very frustrated with King's Batman, but the little preview is like, oh, yeah, okay, now here's my attempt to kind of do, outdo something like that. And I was just like, yeah, no, I'm, I, I think, I think, I think I need a little vacation away. Yes. You know? Yeah. And honestly, like doing that with the Joker feels especially tired. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, and I mean, I think one of the things that was, I will give King a lot of credit, is he did, he by pivoting to Bane, he was able to tell Joker stories within his Batman run that felt, that were better Joker stories, in part because they were smaller Joker stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I... Yeah. I, apart, separate and apart from the fact that I thought his Joker was funny, which really is uh, harder to do than you would think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would think that that would be a, a, an essential, but it's really tough. And um, and so, so right, circling right back to the Joker is kind of, especially since the Joker ended up being so, uh, was one of the cross beams of Snyder's Batman. You know, it's like, and and as you point out, I mean, fucking Batman R.I.P., which really did such a fabulous 
job of Batman's had everything stripped from him and really push that super far because you, you know, the, by the time you get to the Batman of Zurin R, you're like, is he even sane anymore? Yeah, you yeah. know, and that was that it's really hard to imagine them, um, beating like that how, yeah, exactly. or how, even trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just it. How, why would you even try? Yeah. Yeah. So right off the bat, you think like Morrison, Snyder, King, all of them have done versions of yeah. Batman has nothing, but he's going to fight his way back and win because he's Batman. Right. All of them did that story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that yourself? Yeah. Yep. Why? It seems insane to me. To to, to talk back to something we were talking about like five minutes ago, mm-hmm. um, it strikes me when we're talking about things that change that you think aren't going to stick, but you buy it. Right. There's a significant Jimmy Olsen change in last issue of Jimmy Olsen. Oh, yeah? That I do think is going to stick. Or at least is never going to be retconned out. I I think people are either going to completely ignore it. Mm -hmm. Or people are just going to go with it. Uh, I so want to guess. And I think I know if it is what I think it is. I think it's a smart move. But I guess we'll when we talk later. Yeah, you can tell me when when we're not recording. Yeah, yeah. Or not, um, people. But yeah, it, it's it's yeah. It, but but it, but it's something that again is feels like a, not a big change, but like a significant change. Sure. But when I read it again, I bought it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that I don't buy. Uh, you know, Batman. Joker's all Batman's fortune, or for that matter, I'm not sure how much I buy. Superman has revealed his secret entities to the world. Mm-hmm. And not because I don't like it. I do. I actually really like that a lot. But because I think without the Clark Kent of it all, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's something missing in Superman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so it, it's, yeah. Anyway, I've been reading lots of DC comics, as you can tell. Yes. Yeah, very this much week. so. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when I, I have access to DC comics. <laughs> basically. <laughs> there you go. It's not. It's uh, not a bad thing. What have you been reading this week, Jeff? What have I been reading? You know, it's pretty funny because this week I'm I'm going to take the liberty of stretching back several weeks. Uh, one of the things that was really funny was I had this uh, moment um, where I was trying to 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 catch up on on my uh, listing the comics that I had been reading and kind of having this thing of like, yeah, I've been been really enjoying comics lately and then i was looking at it i'm like wait i i haven't read any comics is and and that horrible like oh god is that why i've been enjoying them i've literally haven't been reading any of them so what did i think i was enjoying that were comics that weren't comics fortunately thank goodness that was it i i had misled myself you know for um that I uh, spent a lot of time with a bit, having a big love affair with uh, Watakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku, and volume four of that came out uh, this week. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, it was not as enjoyable as the first three volumes because I think the th- first... And and what's hard is the the American versions of Watakoi uh, are basically two regular volumes at once. So each 
each quote unquote America, each volume of the American version is like two volumes, 256 pages. So it's, I'm basically like eight volumes in and there's a little bit of a, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's this, uh, romantic comedy about otaku of which there's very little drama. Uh, and in fact, it's told a little bit like a series of single page gag strips that sort of continue and progress and move a story forward. Almost like, um, almost like, uh, a daily newspaper strip, except instead of the, the Japanese version, which are the four panel um, you know, vertical, no, uh, yeah, vertical, uh, comic strip. It's, it's actually a full comics page, but there's usually a punchline. There's a little bit of a thing in it. The story slowly moves forward. I kind of had this thing of like, I just want some romance. Like I want some romance in my romance comics, you know, like it's all just very discreet. You have couples who clearly care about each other, but between Japanese culture and the uh, you you <clears throat> you're talking about fanfic you know that um in japanese uh comics the doshinishi the the fan based comics serve like a different have a different role uh in the culture than sort of they do here mm-hmm. so I realized this was the first time where I was like, oh, oh, I really understand the appeal of Japanese fan comics where it's like, I just want to see these characters screw or at least kiss. You know what I mean? Rather than being like, oh, we came to a major uh, understanding, which we are going to convey by one of them tugging on the other one's sleeve. And it's just like, no, some sort of. And so clearly people get fired up and they're like, okay. Here's here's my uh, exploration of it. And because it's outside continuity, there's going to be some smooching. There's going to be a lot of smooching. So it would be lovely. Um, I'm reading Kimaguri Orange Road, which I helped back as a, a Kickstarter a ridiculously long time ago. And as a result, got all of the volumes on PDF and they are enormous. Like I've, I still haven't finished quote unquote, uh, volume one. And it is, oh, come on guys. Why aren't you going to open this thing here? I'm it's, I'm like 200. I'm, I'm 474 pages into volume one and there's still another 90 pages left. And there's another five volumes after that, so it's, oh, good lord! Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. And it, I'm tired just listening to that. I so you say, but we both know that you've read like 38 times the amount that I've read over these last couple of weeks. It's uh, it's a it's a very very old school uh, manga, like from I guess the 80s, and part of why it got reprinted is. The anime might have been one of those first anime to hit American shores, uh, you know, along with stuff like, I don't know, you know, the Macross Robotech stuff. So, so it's, so they did this whole thing to get those volumes out. So it's, it's, it's seriously an old school romantic comedy from the eighties. There's, 
a guy in high school who is um, essentially has one girl who's in love with him and the her best friend is the one that he's in love with. And he comes from a family where everyone has uh, psychic powers. So whenever the of romantic... Course. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's all everything. If it, The only way it could be more 80s is, is if a little alien friend ended up landing and helping him out. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's cute. Um, hard boiled cop and dolphin. I think I told you has just started running on the Shonen Jump app. Uh, I just read the second chapter of that. That first one really had a great quote unquote twist to it that I don't want to give away. It's, um, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy manga Shonen Jump style, which is to say, it's absolutely over the top, ridiculous in a in an almost kind of one, like kind of does for cop dramas what One Punch Man does for superhero stories, um, except uh, it, yeah, it, it's just it's goofy. I'm enjoying it. As you know, I had read the first two volumes of Blue Flag, which is also it's a romantic high school romance quadrangle. Um, that they threw the first, I don't know, 12, 20 chapters or whatever on Shonen Jump. I think they were doing that just to see if people like me would turn around and buy the volumes because they're not releasing any more chapters. So I'm pretty heartbroken. Uh, I mentioned reading Secret Invasion and just being furious with myself and, uh, and Brian Bendis, of course. Um, and I should mention the two things. The one thing that I quite liked and had a certain amount of hand wringing over is uh, Purdy uh, volumes one and two. Are you familiar with it? Published by Image, but it's a reprint of a European Western comic. Weirdly enough, like the name sounds familiar, so maybe. Yeah, P E R D Y, volume one and volume two. Um, I think, again, printed. Uh, the the author's name is something like Kikla'i is what they I'm sure it's not their real name of course K-I-C-K-L-I-L-I-Y Purdy is a it's a western about a tough son of a bitch who is released from prison and goes about getting their their secret buried treasure, which is no longer in the place where they thought it would be. The kicker is she is a, uh, the, uh, the roughest, toughest, rootness, tootness gunslinger slash is also, she's a woman in her forties and she has a daughter who has tried to start over and start a new life. And the first two volumes is essentially, the mother going to get the daughter so that they can pull one last score together. The daughter wanting nothing to do with her. And um, it's a bunch of rowdy hijinks that are more or less, uh, I think, redeemed by being drawn in that sort of amazing, um, sort of almost Trondheim-esque style. Like a, just a beautiful, loose cartooning that is also mm -hmm. absolutely perfect and in, in detailed 
but sure, also yeah. keeps all of its loose expressiveness. It's also a little problematic in that it reads real early on. You kind of tumble to the idea of it's that kind of that classic, like, oh, she's an awesome female Western anti-hero, but because she's written by a male, like, like, even though that, like I was, by the time I finished volume two, I'm like, okay, the pseudonym has no gender to it, but if this is not a dude, I would be goddamn shocked. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, so, which is to say that there's a lot of it that is actually pretty good in terms of its characterization. And there's a lot of it that just really film falls into that realm of oh but wouldn't it be great if there were tits you know and <laughs> uh, you know there's that there's another book that is getting uh published by um uh image that is uh a euro comic that is i although i think it's spanish that i was also had read the first one or two volumes of it's god you know the the one where it's like the sexy pig girl in the in the world where it's illegal to to fall is in love America outside Andolfo your species. Book? What's that? Is that the Mirka and Dolphin book? Um, hold on, let me see. It should be easy enough to find because God knows, I I it was one of those things that I checked out because I'm like, uh, there's apparently a lot of 13 year olds really like this book or it's really popular on Hoopla. Uh, it is. Unnatural by yeah Merca and Dolfo, yeah yeah right. So have you read that? It or no? Oh, okay. I just, I just it, your description. I was like, that sounds like the Merca and Dolfo book because I like her art. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that description and being like, well, <laughs> yeah, right. And not, her her art me. is great, but it is yeah, it's it's not for you. But one of the things that I do like about it is as though is is it is very it's very different the two if you were to draw a comparison contrast between purdy and unnatural um i think i think in a blind taste test anyone could really tell what's the female comic and you know the female written comic and what's the the male written comic in fact where 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 was i, I spent a long time oh right I, I, right before I managed to give myself a grievous injury, I was thinking about how the ultimate test of um, Joe Hill's The Fireman is about how it's a book that takes place during a pandemic that destroys civilization. Uh, and this was the first time I thought of it during the entire COVID-19 kind of thing. I was like, oh yeah, 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 that was a book that did not, land as far as i was concerned but one of the things that's interesting about joe hills the fireman is it is a book with a female protagonist that is a um she's a nurse who when this thing starts people are afraid of catching this virus that leads to spontaneous human combustion and bursting into flames and the early chapters which have uh, the medical staff kind of working and on the edge of exhaustion and themselves being sort of in the first line of defense. I was like, oh yeah, huh, that could have been right. I really should have, no, I spent most of my time thinking about Stephen King's stand. Huh, too bad, Joe Hill. But 
one of the things that I thought about it is it's a book that is also, it's not just a book with a female protagonist written by a dude. It feels like a book rewritten by a dude to include a female protagonist because he was aware that it, it wouldn't sell if it wasn't. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. And so, so consequently, in a, unsurprisingly, for a book called The Fireman, The Fireman is supposedly a supporting character in the book, but he's the one who gets to kind of do all the cool shit and, and, and becomes the love interest of the female protagonist and therefore they have adventures together. And the difference between that and Unnatural in which there is a uh in which the romance interest if it was being written by a man would feel like ego fantasy as opposed to romantic fantasy you know what i mean so yeah there's a whole complicated thing anyway to stop running my mouth the things that i most enjoyed and enjoyed them a tremendous amount unsurprisingly um two books by carl starks uh, Old Head, which uh, was his um, his novel, uh, graphic novel, uh, colored by Chris Schwarzer. Schweitzer. Um, yeah, thank you. And that was fabulous. And then Karate Prom, which is a thirty-two page black and white comic that I think starts released for free comic book day or in place of free comic book day. And I meant to download. I downloaded and meant to read, and then. Read the two of them about a week or two apart, and they are both great. Um, Starks is kind of, I mean, I think we're both fans. Uh, yes, yes. Have you read either Old Head or Karate Prom yet? I've read Old Head. I've, uh, Karate Prom, I've, I've not read. Oh, okay. And did you like Old Head, or how did you feel about it? I, you yes, I liked great? it, but like... Yeah. I I have the same about Kyle Starks where I I really like it in the moment, mm-hmm. and then with the exception of Mars Attacks, it almost always just like completely fades from my memory, mm. and I'm like I remember liking it, but I couldn't tell you a fucking thing about it. Mm. it kind of makes sense. The I was curious whether Old Head would stick because it struck me as more as closer to being a. Um, closer to Mars Attacks than some of his other work in that it is a book that's about failure in families, I guess, um, with a lot of bravura set pieces. Um, so uh, I liked it. And of course, there's a few things which I don't know if you remember, but Old Head is uh, the protagonist, essentially, and he was a an all-star basketball player that more or less blew the big game. And one of the things that's really wonderful about it is the they Starks shows the game as it's on TV and he has the color commentators sort of as these little talking heads above the screen with like these yellow um, uh, speech balloons as they're delivering the color commentary. And when those characters come back in the climactic fight scene and they're sort of overlaid over the thing, I just thought that that was like, I really liked what a great job it was of of using comics to communicate a specific experience, which is the color commentary 
in a sporting event and then the way that that was not just a neat formalistic trick but also um you know ties into the big climax and of course for people who are worried i mean it the, the big climax literally involves dribbling dracula's head around <laughs> like a basketball which between that and literally the two pages of dracula's appearance were just my favorite things like well i i'm gonna be completely honest like outside of dracula i don't remember anything about old head well see like you're saying stuff you're saying stuff and i'm like i like have i read this book dracula i was like oh yeah no i have read read that book but i was like i don't remember like i i 100 don't remember that at all oh okay okay and then you were like dribbling dracula and i was like no i have read that i have read that one yeah 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 okay phew yeah, and then Karate Prom will, in its own way, probably stick better to you because it's it's great. It's just, it's great. It's it's very much in the sort of patented Kyle Starks, like, revisit 80s movies and make yeah, them exactly. more ridiculous. Like, yeah, the, you know? the, mm-hmm. like, you grew up on this as well. Yes. Let's just do it, but extra. Yeah, exactly, but extra. So, yeah, kind so... Um, very, very, very enjoyable. Uh, those, those, those were my big standouts. Yeah, that's it for comics. I had mentioned to you, Graham, I was going to leave this out. I had started to read because Marvel Unlimited only had 12 titles released this week. I was like, well, fuck, I'll just read them all. And of course, me being me, I failed and I think only made it five titles in if that I, I'm, but... I'm seeing what marvel unlimited actually is while we're talking about this have you noticed that marvel unlimited is not uploading um old stuff on, on thursdays anymore uh i i i had hmm how to put this you know they did uh, upload a bunch of submariners later I yeah don't know if but they it's, did it's like thursday. weirdly irregular it yes. used to be mondays and thursdays and now it's like mondays and Eh? Yeah, exactly. For example, they've not they've not gotten around to anything this week. I'm looking. No, exactly. What are the twelve things this week? Taro, Hawkeye, Freefall, Star Wars, Spider Man and Venom, Double Trouble, X Men, Doctor Doom, Marauders, Black Panther, and the Agent of Wakanda, The Web of Black Widow, Swordmaster, Miles Morales, Spider Man, and Daredevil. Yep. That's um that's actually probably a pretty good like cross. Yeah. Cross section of of Marvel's output. Right. So I made it to Spider-Man and Venom Double Trouble, which I, as you know, we've been enjoying. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll jump in cold on X-Men 4 because I read the the HOA, the Hox Pox, but have not read the first three issues of Hickman's regular thing. See if it grabs me. And then I was like, Dr. Doom's on issue four. I've heard good things about it. I could jump back and read the first three issues and come to that. And then Daredevil is finally, I think, two or three issues now beyond what I've read. So I could go back and read that. And I was like, and then I'll just read the rest of this stuff and Swordmaster. It seems dumb, but how bad could it be? And then, yeah, did not, didn't get there, unfortunately. So, but that's fine. Cause you read Taro and Hawkeye Freefall. Actually, Taro, Hawkeye Freefall and Star Wars are all issue ones. Yes, exactly. Which was part of why I was like, Oh, that's outrageous. I might as well read them. Taro is an Avengers Defenders thing written by Alan Davis, and I have fond memories of the Avengers Defenders War, and it's uh, fine. You know, it's got it's got some setup stuff. I mean, it's I thought it was underwhelming. The art was pretty 
Hawkeye Freefall is written by uh, Matthew Rosenberg. Um, it had some funny stuff and was also, I mean, he seems like a, a very good follow-up in a way in that sort of fraction-y kind of superhero comics, but not really kind of emphasis. Yeah. You know, like that seemed like a good pick. And then Star Wars, which is written by Charles Sewell and is an issue one. And they had the um, sort of clever conceit of kind of sort of in the same way that, that uh, Jason Aaron's Star Wars more or less picks up right after a new hope and starts fleshing things out. They're like, Hey, let's pick up literally from where, where empire strikes back ended and go from there. And I think that's kind of terrible, not least of which is, you know, they've picked up Luke, he's had his hand lopped off, they're fleeing in the Millennium Falcon, and then, like, hijinks happen, and they're like, you know, Lando and Chewie are flying and trying to, you know, Lando's trying to negotiate the fact that nobody trusts him, which is a decent enough character hook. Luke is feeling betrayed by Obi-Wan Kenobi because he never told him and he can't seem to get in touch with Yoda. And that's also a pretty nice touch. But he's like running around without a hand, like working the the guns, at the Millennium Falcon. You know what I mean? Like one of the quote unquote scary, cool things about uh, The Empire Strikes Back when you watch it for the first time, if you're of you know, if you're a kid at all, it's not only does Luke lose, but I mean, he gets his ass handed to him and he yeah, is look in, at, look, it's fucked up. Yeah. And he does. He is fucked up when they finally pick him up. He's on the verge of death. He's in shock from having lost his hand. They play it incredibly realistically. And so, you know, when they do that wash and cut and he's having the robo hand put on, you're just that itself is enough of a oh thank god moment that you can more or less end the movie and not be utterly fucking depressed but but he's in bad shape when he ends up on the millennium falcon and the idea that literally like two seconds later they're like come on luke get to the guns and he's like i will do this but ben you betrayed me and i'm just like you you can't do shit you lost your hand dummy how do you work those guns you know what i mean so with the force uh, no no Graham. <laughs> so anyway yes i was i was not great that was kind of i was expecting that to be i was like oh boy this will be great and fun instead i was like bleh which is you know to be fair i think i i like everyone else really loved uh kieran gillen's darth vader series and that was I feel like like I should have quit while I was ahead because I never. Did you read Gillen's um, Star Wars? No, and you told me about that the hook for that, and I was like, oh, and that's a good idea. And I kind of sort of thought like, oh yeah, I'll revisit this. This is Marvel generally knows what they're doing with their Star Wars stuff as long as you don't read the individual spinoff titles or Poe Dameron or anything. But uh, no, Poe Dameron's fine. I'm sure. I mean, it's literally fine. You mean, so, I mean like like hair is no, it, fine? Wait, you mean like actual human hair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like sand. Like, do you mean like it's fine? Is in the sense of I hate, not I hate coarse? Sand. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Um, it no, it's it's fine. It's it's it. 
does everything it has to do, but doesn't go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it like it it does what it does, which is give people who think that uh, Oscar Isaac is hot like something to look, to read between the Star Wars movies. Going, that kind of looks like Oscar Isaac. Sure, sure, it's hot, hot enough. You know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it it is. It, it's it's entirely. It's inoffensive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go go back and reread that. It's written by Charles Sewell, though, Jeff. So maybe not. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think. I think. Uh, and people even people liked his follow up on Darth Vader. Wasn't he the guy who followed up Darth Vader after? Yeah, I, 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 I like... read a few issues of it, but not not a lot. You know, there were yeah, there... people definitely liked because that's the one that that's. Um, what is he doing? Because I, I got it mixed up with the the Greg Pak one, where where he runs into to Natalie Portman again. Where he runs into Natalie Portman again? Really? Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, that will be appearing in Marvel Unlimited really soon. Actually, uh-huh. um, the it's it's it starts Vader picking up from the end of Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Uh, he's like, oh fuck, my kid. Uh, well, uh, kind of upset now. And then he literally runs into Padme again, uh-huh. who is of course dead. Um, and there, there's there's a twist, but I'm not going to spoil it in case you read it. Okay, well that's that's good to know. God, God help me if I will. I will say that whoever had the the very clever idea of redoing Frank Frazetta's Death Dealer as a cover with Darth Vader on a horse, that that person that person deserves a Nobel Prize. But I'm not sure I want to really. <laughs> the comic but that would be great actually no that's that's definitely a nobel prize i think you're right that's definitely not an overreaction at all yeah i agree i agree Grant. i'm glad I, we're I spent this entire podcast going jeff said i know what's happened in comics this week has there been a news story there wasn't was there am i missing like a big news story that well, week? so there was a there was a there's a couple of things i mean there's a quote unquote there's a there's of course the big a big ish news story that is not about comics but uh, is I think that it is interesting that HBO Max announced that they are developing a Gotham TV show between with uh, Matt Reeves and Terrence Winter uh, that is going to be set in the same universe and supposedly I would assume the same cast as Matt Reeves the Batman movie. Uh, in that they have officially said that nobody knows if this cast is shared with the film. I would say it's probably not going to. Oh, really? Oh, well, that kind yeah. of sucks, I would say. Yeah. But I guess that makes sense. Also, apparently it's set before the film. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, which also, again, not a bad choice because... It's because... not a bad choice. Gotham existed. Well, did it... I mean, you yeah, have. Yes, yes, it did. I saw a lot of Gotham. Gotham existed for years. Uh, like, we have literally just had a TV show about this. Yeah, Graham, that's what I'm saying. That that was a different take. Like, that I don't. Was, yeah. That was a different take. Like, Matt Reeves' The Batman opens with the Wayne family building Gotham with their own hands. Like in an opening montage. That's part of 
That's the thing. Gotham doesn't exist without the Waynes because the opening sequence. And so Batman's a little bit like Mr. X, you know, from the Dean Motter comics of part of how he can get around is he literally has the plans for all of Gotham City. He can go through every chimney, every tunnel, every everything because the Waynes built Gotham. And that's part of why he feels so responsible for it, because it is his city and the city is his. He's responsible for it. And that's part of how he he goes from like, oh, no, they killed my parents. I have to protect the, their legacy, which is the city that we built in the opening montage. Do you not you you I I'm really shocked if you've not read the, the script pages. Okay, I'm bluffing. Damn it, Graham. <laughs> Shit. It, it wasn't the worst pitch. I mean, it's not a good no, pitch, no, but it, you know. It, it, let's let's be honest. We could both see it happen. Yeah, it's totally true. It 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 sure beats that Halle Berry Catwoman movie. Uh, so there was that, which I thought was kind of interesting in a. Wow, AT&T is going to deliver its goddamn vertical integration, that's for sure, you know. Look, I, I could complain, but honestly, like, I've spent, like, far too much of the last day watching Legendary and HBO Max, so I'm, I'm, I'm there for HBO Max right now. Ah, well, there you go. Yes, yeah, you're much more on the HBO Max. I finally am able to watch it on TV, so... I was very excited to fire it up and Edie and I, before I punctured my foot, had just a, a just a laugh riot. We sat down with some sandwiches and we watched the first 20 minutes of uh, this 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 hilarious black and white romp, Bicycle Thieves by uh, Vittorio <laughs> De Sica. That was it's, I mean, it's a, it's a laugh a minute. It is. It Oh, at least two laughs a minute, Graham. I mean, I think you're. Like, really, you're not doing I, the movie I, a disservice. I, I legit thought when you're saying you you spend 10 minutes like laughing, I was going to be like, you're fucking watching the new Looney Tunes at Cartoons, aren't you? You know, I have to say, I watched the, I think just the first one, and mm -hmm. uh, it was really good. I yeah, love I to actually really like them. I those. really like them, for real. Yeah, no, they, they were, the one that I watched was very, very well done. Yeah, no, 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 no. it was just... I don't remember if I bored you guys or just Graham, but I, I've had a, I've had HBO Max for a month now, and literally because I stream stuff via Roku, which they've not cut a deal with still after a full month, um, I've only been able to watch on my phone, and I've just not been into it. Like, the Looney Tunes cartoons were kind of like, I'm like, okay, this I can do. But I was really excited to dig into the pretty deep, well of uh of movies there, that there they cribbed there's a lot of really good stuff there there's a there. lot there really is it's a pretty good super channel so i finally caved got a chromecast managed to you know get that that finally showed up i got it set up and it was it was exciting it was very exciting um well i think the other thing of course is i feel like our last episode our last wait what episode was so filled with the frustration and trauma of the Ellis stuff, as someone pointed out, we did not talk about the passing of Denny O'Neill, which, um, I mean, he's a very major figure. And I mean, for me, much more so as an 
editor than a, a yeah, writer? For for me as well. Like I, I, I can think of a lot of Danny O'Neill comics or Danny O'Neill written comics I've read. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like for me they're in the like seventies and, and like sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. Like it's his Superman, it's his Justice League mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that I really think about. And then of course I I was saying this on Twitter, like I've also been rereading Armageddon two thousand and one, which mm-hmm. weirdly like he co wrote and then he edited the spin offs. Wow. So thanks yeah. for that, Danny. Yeah. Um but no, I, I, Danny O'Neill as an editor was was much bigger for me. Yeah, because he was the Batman editor when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so he was overseeing the shit that I was reading, and I remember him very clearly as like the guy in charge of Batman. Yeah. So the point where, like, if someone says to me, "No, Batman editor," I do still think of Danny O'Neill. I do too. I do too. Yeah, absolutely. So that. Um, you know, I, I think it's worth mentioning that he was, he was, uh, Frank Miller's editor on Daredevil, uh, the, the first run and was more or less a mentor to him. He was the editor on Larry Hama's GI Joe, as I mentioned in my little memorial tweet the day after he died, not only did he he edit Larry Hama and GI Joe, but he defended that title (laughs) in a very, uh, with a, from a very vituperative Gary Groth during a uh, during a comics journal article in which Groth kept hammering at Denny O'Neill about uh, O'Neill's insistence on being a good craftsman um, as opposed to an artist uh, and uh, made for some really interesting reading. And again, maybe part of the reason why O'Neill ended up, I think, being such a good mentor in a lot of ways um you know you say that he he was the batman editor i do want to mention that he brought in uh women wrote batman under o'neill and people of color wrote the batman books uh you know under him uh much more so than than after the fact and i think that's that's worth you know uh, it's worth shouting out. You know, he really did guide the character in a lot of the the growth in the '90s in terms of of side characters and things. I think very much happened under him. So I do want to say, big major figure worth mentioning. Um, the having said that, in a R.I.P. Denny, you will be missed. Um, if you want to go further down Depression Road, we hadn't really talked about Charles Brownstein and the CBLDF. Uh, in our last episode, because it was more or less breaking, rebreaking, and I am going to punt that further. Okay, uh, for work-related reasons. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I don't want to say anything right now that might be problematic for reporting down the line. Sure. Okay, that that's good. But people should know, sort of a that is that is well as as you've just conveyed a story that is uh, developing. You know. And we should say that the Comics Journal has a really great story on it this week. That is true. That is true. Like, you, sh- you should link that in the show notes. The, the Comics Journal has a very good story on it at the start of the week. Yeah, I think I think so as well, which was good because I, I think it was – I assume it was Michael Dean. And what was great was I thought that Michael Dean's original reporting on it was not great. And so I really feel he picked up the ball and delivered. Interestingly enough, did you read his after-the-fact commentary on that? They republished the story like two or three years ago, mm-hmm. um, and he had written commentary about the. He basically wrote an introduction to the story. Right. He more or less said that he more or less was like, "Yeah, I didn't do this right." Yeah, 
it's funny. I feel like somehow or other it came out, yeah, that he did not do a great job. Um, so, yeah, that was... Uh, huh. So I feel like those are the quote-unquote news stories, and I feel like those are just behind-the-scenes scenes. Um, honestly, you would know stuff well before I did, because I've not... Re- I, I just once... It- yeah, I, I just... Like I said, I've, I've spent a lot of this week not thinking about this week. Right. For want of a better way of putting it. Yeah. So it, it really skews my, like, what's actually, like, what is what has broken as opposed to what is about to break? Yes. Because, um, yes. I mean, a lot of things are happening right now because San Diego Comic-Con at home right. is happening in two weeks as we're recording this. And so I'm getting a bunch of, like, you know, oh, we're announcing this or, oh, we're talking about this. And, like, this, as the October solicits are just about to start dropping. So people are getting ready to announce things again. Mm. And okay. so I really have this weird thing where I'm like, wait, did this? No, it's not. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say anything about this, blah, blah, blah. Mm. My head. Your little Dr. Manhattan do moment, yes. Yeah, pe- people hate it when I do that. So I'm just like, I don't remember. Like, you you, you remind me what's happened because otherwise, like, I'm literally yeah, – the things I – put this way, the things I really want to talk to you about, I can't because they haven't officially happened yet. Ah. You... However, by the time we do the next weight walk, because next week's a drop, and then there's a weight walk after that, mm-hmm. there will be at least one thing that – you and I will be talking about. Got it. Got it. I think your nickname should be Dr. Graham Hatton from here on out. And here's the thing. Graham that probably Yes. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Because <laughs> you are. You're always like, it's two weeks in the future. I'm telling you about this I, new I, miniseries. I What's that? You reread I, the whole thing? Yeah. Again? Oh, Graham, yeah. what are you doing to yourself? It's because I was fucking watching the HBO Watchmen. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is great. And that honestly made me go, I should revisit Doomsday Clock. Right. No. No, I shouldn't have. No. Yeah. That was not a good idea. Yeah. Um, I feel less... Generous? By it's this, no, less let down by it this time. But I also feel much more ready to be like, yep. <laughs> that just veered off the rails. Mm. Yeah, it definitely did. You know, it's so funny because, um, of course, I was Mister like I will not be supporting Doomsday Clock. I will, but you know, but then you're like, I am supporting DC Universe, right? So I'll read it, right? And so part two, the the second trade dropped oh, on yeah, Hoopla. It's, it's on Hoopla, and yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just read that. I'm like, no, I can't. They will. That does that puts money in people's pockets. Additionally, I I have to wait until this comes out on DC Universe. Great, which okay. is going to be like a few months. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Venetians are like November twenty nineteen, <laughs> maybe even December. It might even have been December. Jesus God, right, right. Oh yeah, no, no. The schedule for that book went yeah dramatically great. south. Yeah, uh, almost as much as the writing did for the story. Yeah. Um, uh... Wah, wah, wah. But yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting because the the I was able to appreciate in quotation marks the like meta text of of what Johns is trying to do about you know everything re- revolves around Superman mm-hmm. more this time around. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that's my takeaway just really underscores how poorly the watchman of everything is is served especially considering and you have read the first half of the series yeah 
first half of the series is very Watchmen heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second, the last third at least, is very not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just shows how much this, like the 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 book just veers way off target. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it, it. You know, there there's a there's a lot of things that I think um, Johns was trying to do, and um, you know, a lot of it got away from him. I think he really was kind of like, hey, I can do this nine panel grid. And honestly, he's got little bits and pieces. I remember, I don't remember what it was, but I was looking at something and having a little bit of like, oh yeah, you know, Johns is, um, I think consistently more clever than I give him credit for. Uh, and, and, but there's there's this enormous asterisk, which is then the part kicks in that is the reason why I give him less credit and and I think that I think that Doomsday Clock really does um, highlight some of that stuff. I know that you had been running some screenshots from uh, on the Tumblr from the Tumblr, your yeah. reread, and I thought your points on that really like you managed to look at, I, I cover some of the, that ground very well, I think in terms of where John's is, I guess where some of his weaknesses are in doomsday clock. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a shame, kind of a shame, but you know, Hey, Watchmen TV series, people are, uh, that's, that's certainly a remarkable achievement. He says, not having watched it. Having never, yeah, yeah. Having never seen it and never exactly. going to watch it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jeff. Yes, Graham. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the moment. This is the moment. Yeah. Of, yeah. Do, we, do we wind up? Yeah. I, I think so. I think we, I think it is time for us to, 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 to wrap this mother up as they say. Uh, so I will tell you that Jeff just mentioned a Tumblr. That's because there's a Tumblr, waywalkpod.tumblr.com. There's also an Instagram, instagram.com forward slash waywalkpods. And there is a Twitter account at waywalkpodcasts. Jeff has a Twitter account of his own at lazybassett, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. And I'm on Twitter at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Uh, there's also a, a website, which I didn't even mention, waywalkpodcast.com, where there's going to be show notes for this episode. As you're listening, as you're listening, you can just pop over to waywalkpodcast.com and see what Jeff wrote. I know, I'm excited. It's a <laughs> for the podcast as well. So Jeff is now going to talk about Patreon. Jeff, go. Uh, Patreon people, you you guys are the best. You really are. I, I actually, I all of our listeners are great. I Jeff hastens to add. <laughs> I have to say, I'm very excited by the Patreon people because I actually spent the last day of June sitting there trying to come up with uh the tax values like um because patreon is beginning the process of collecting sales tax from patrons which i don't know if i think they're taking that as an additional cut on top of the money that you give us or i'm hoping it's actually a slightly bigger cut out of the money that we get so that you guys don't get dinged but so in doing so, one of the things that I had to redo is look at every one of our reward values and assign it a, assign it a value 
And one of the things that I realize is super great about you guys is there are so many reward values that we don't really deliver on. Now, <laughs> to, to be fair, and this is this is not very this is this is pretty wiggly, but um as I recall, it was I sixty it was either either or and Graham and Todd Allen were on top of the Patreon thing. I, I want to say that Todd Allen was the guy who tipped us off, but maybe Graham remembers it differently. But we actually had a 20 or 30 minute call with, I think it might've been the founder of Patreon, if not one of the main dudes talking about how it worked. And in the course of talking with him, he gave us some really great tips and pointers and things. It was, it was really a very generous call. But one of the things that he said was that there would be tools for us that would allow us to track essentially reoccurring rewards. And so I really understood that dashboard that Patreon offers as being a thing that would allow us to input our reward values and track when we paid them and did things like that. I have to say that Patreon may have finally implemented that two or three years after we really screwed ourselves. Cause we were a lot of like, yeah, if you give it, give it this level, well, you, you can ask us this many questions. And if you give us a, this level, we'll, we'll actually name you at the end of every podcast. And, and and for the most part, we have not done that. I mean, I, we haven't done it at the level that we have had. And in fact, there are people since before I moved, uh, Edie and I moved into this new location, that I actually still owe uh, some tote bags for. So there are some people who are still kind of like, where the hell are my stickers? Um, and, and so one of the things I want to say is... In the course of trying to figure out how to adjust for these tax values and feeling unsurprisingly and justifiably like a terrible human being, one of the things that struck me is that uh, all of our listeners, but again, especially the people on Patreon, are incredibly generous because... Uh, the vast majority of the communications that we've had with people are very positive and very much in the realm of thank you for continuing to do the podcast. Thank you for having done it, you know, for so long. Your episodes are free for everyone. We don't have to listen to stamps.com. We don't have any mattress ads. It's just the, the two of you guys talking, you know, Ad Astra, ad infinitum, ad nauseum, you know, and and that's what matters to me. The hypothetical Patreon listener that I am channeling now as Jeff is saying, and that's that's really it's it's kind of a relief because otherwise my spirit would be crushed by how profoundly terrible uh, Graham and I have done at living up to our obligations apart from a lot of blab blabbing 
that you get hours and hours and hours of blab blab absolutely you know uh gratis if that should be the case but thanks to those of you who throw your hard-earned dosh our way we um were inspired to uh, at least hit one of our promised stretch goals which is the extra podcast every month so that instead of doing two episodes a month as you know we did our 50 issue read through the first 416 issues of the fantastic four baxter building which someone was uh incredibly kind enough to mention on our twitter feed as something they've been enjoying a lot without actually even reading the fantastic four which is um like a huge compliment and still kind of breaks my brain a little bit um and our current uh drock our our current read through of judge Dredd, the complete case files where we have covered good lord what the first 15 or years of judge Dredd, like that's that's a lot so all of which is to say thank you wonderful people you keep us uh inspired and you also have been really incredibly generous not just with the dosh but with the um with being kind to us which um i am incredibly grateful for i want to give huge shout outs to dominic el franco and empress audrey queen of the galaxy for their continuing support of this podcast and their continued combined protection of this corner of the celestial realm I can absolutely guarantee that we would uh, be worse off uh, without them and without all of you. So, thank you. Graham? They do keep Sector 2814 safe, Jeff. (laughs) They do indeed. They do indeed. (laughs) Um, We're going to be back next week with a drop, and we're doing Case Files 16. Yeah, holy smokes. Uh, Which I'm... No, I am right. It's Case File 16. I'm like, wait, are we doing something else? No, it's Case File 16. I think that's and then right, yeah. the drop after that, we're doing Garth Ennis's crossover between the magazine and 2080. And I can't wait for you to read that, Jeff. I'm so excited. Oh, um, anyway, next week, Case File 16. Two weeks after that, we're doing a Wade Watts. And uh, I'm sure absolutely insane things will have happened between now and then. If only because by that point, I think we are actually going to be recording in the middle of Comic-Con at home. Oh, Comic-Con at home. Exciting. I'm I'm sure there's going to be proper news. You say exciting, but it's literally just lots of people doing Zoom calls. I know that because I did a Zoom call for it. You did? Didn't you do two? Or did you only do one? I just just did one. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm doing a Zoom call with people from Drawn and Quarterly and Fantagraphics talking about, uh, it's called Tragic Comics. And it's, I believe it's airing on the Friday, mm-hmm. question mark. Um, and it's talking about sort of, a, a, I was going to say the new wave of, of humor cartoonists, but that's not, that's an entire misrepresentation of, of the people who are on it. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the idea that there is a, a, a comedy cartooning that is as much about things that aren't funny as mm. things that are. Mm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the Friday, I believe, of Comic Con Home. But yeah, by th- that's going to be happening when we are in we're recording the next week. So hopefully there'll be some sort of news. Until then, uh, you will hopefully hear us next week. But even if you don't, bye.